So missions. Um, so I remember, uh, I remember in, in my time knowing Ken and Jamie, we met at our previous church together in Cell Creek, and we didn't, we weren't, you know, friends like we are now. We, we kind of knew each other. We said, hey, and all that stuff. But I remember there's one instance, you know, Ken's one of those guys, Jed and Ken are both like this. They just seem to always kind of have it together, or they make you believe they've got it together, right? Uh, they never seem flustered, you know, it's straightforward, um, yeah, because they're awesome wives. But I remember there, there's one instance that I can recall where Ken, right, and Ken's probably going to remember this whenever I tell when I start telling the story. But in thinking back, it blows my mind because we've spent a lot of time together. Um, I've spent a lot of time with Jed, and between the two of them, and the many hours we spent together, I can think of one instance where I can think of that one of the two they were just lost in the moment, and and it was Ken and and. Carson has this friend, his name's Hayden, they were actually born on the same day in the room next door to each other, and um, we didn't know them at the time, but then they ended up going to daycare together, and then Hayden and his mom started coming to our church, and they were just really good friends, and they were playing one day in the nursery, and I remember one of the teenagers at our other church came up to me, and he said, Chris, um, Carson ran into Hayden, and, and Carson's crying. I thought, okay, whatever, they probably bumped into each other, they're whining, whatever. So I'm walking and I'm approaching the nursery and Hayden's mom, Courtney, is carrying Hayden, but there's one major problem, Hayden is limp, like out cold. You remember that? So instantly I'm thinking, you know, number one, thank God Carson's crying because that means he's awake, right? And so I start following Courtney and I run outside and, and she's panicking. She's in full panic mode and I run up to her and she, she does this. She does, she does this mom thing where moms don't know what to say. So they say a name of the closest person and then they blurt something out when something's going on. And she said, Chris, do something, right, as she's crying. And I'm like, <laughs> right? So I grab Hayden, and I'm trying to think as fast as I can. I'm like, okay, okay, is he breathing? So I start to lay him down, and I'm going to see if I need to give him CPR, see if his heart's still beating, um, and he wakes up. And I'm like, yes, thank you. <laughs> All right, that's good, that's good. Now, now get up, and I get, pick him up, and I kind of hug him a little bit, and, and, and we're, I think actually I'm hugging him, and Jamie's there also, and I remember Jamie saying, Chris, he, he's closing his eyes again. Look at him. <laughs> you know, I didn't know what to do, right? So I'm, I'm, someone said, blow in his face. I'm like, <laughs> right? And, and panic mode, man. I don't know. <laughs> what do you do? And, and he wakes up, and he's good. And I look up, <laughs> and there's Ken. I'm talking about deer in the headlights, Ken. <laughs> and he said, Man, I can't handle that with those kids getting hurt. <laughs> and I was like, thanks, man. Right? It, it flustered him. That was that, I think I found Ken's thing, right? If you're ever in a dire need of someone to rescue your three-year-old, don't go to Ken. 
right? Go to Ken for all sorts of other things, but Ken kind of panicked in that moment, as did I. I just happened to be closer. Here's the thing. We're talking about missions and our mission field and, and how do we reach the world. And last week, if you remember, we talked about the church and how our missions begin in this group, this core group right here. Right? We lift each other up, we encourage each other, we, we pray for each other, we support each other, but then after that, it goes into the community, and that's what we're going to talk about this week, is community and discipleship. Right? You see, but here's the problem, a lot of times, if I tell you, um, Megan, I want you to go out there tomorrow and tell 10 people about Jesus, Megan's flustered at that moment, Right? And I'm not picking on Megan because it's any of us. If I were to say, Brandy, I want you to tell 10 teachers at your school about Jesus, Brandy's probably a little bit flustered at that moment. If you were to say, okay, okay, Pastor Chris, I want you to go to Unum and tell 10 people about Jesus, I'm probably a little bit flustered, right? But we've got to understand that it's an important part of our mission. All right, so um, in Matthew chapter 28, we're going to be reading verses 16 through 20, but we're going to start with 16 through 17, all right? And I want you to notice, first of all, and we've got to kind of hurry, we're running short on time, okay? So I'm going to need you to stay with me tonight, all right? So we're going to be talking about a heart of worship. If you want to have a successful mission, if you want to reach the community around you, right, whether or not you live on Signal Mountain, Sequatchie Valley, um, Saudi Daisy, um, Rossville, or not Rossville, you live in uh, Flintstone. Yeah, I like the Flintstones. Uh, wherever you live, right, you, you have a mission from God to reach your community, and, and to do that, it starts with a heart of worship. Look at this in verse 16. It says, But the eleven disciples proceeded to Galilee, the mountain which Jesus had des- designated. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some were doubtful. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for this day. Thank you for this time of worship we've had. God, I pray that you'd just be with us over the next 10 or 15 minutes, God, that you would just speak to our hearts, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. And yes, I'm going to try to get this in 15 minutes, and I have a two and a half minute video. So that's impressive. 12 and a half minutes right here. Ready, set, go. Worship, right? We talked about this um, in Sunday school this past week. If you're here in Sunday school, we talked about what is worship? What is the idea of worship? How do we worship, right? Whenever we think, uh, I think Ken posed this question on Sunday. He said, How, what do you think of when we say worship? And some people said music. You know, some people you know, think of raising your hands. But it's so much more than that. If you look up the definition of worship, it says the feeling or expression of reverence and adoration for a deity, right? I mean, think about this. In other words, what that's saying, it's being reverent to God. When we worship God, it's having respect for God, having respect for our creator, having respect for the one who gave everything for us to have something, right? 
You see, you can't reach your community. You can't disciple people. You can't create disciples if you don't have a heart of worship. And a heart of worship is more than coming and singing Good, Good Father at youth service. Having worship is more than going to the altar at the end of service because you got something on your heart. Um, Having worship in your life is carrying out godly attitudes at school. Being a godly example to your friends that don't necessarily believe in God. Being a godly example to your friends that actually probably might make fun of you if you act Christ-like at school. But all that's irrelevant because God calls us to have a heart of worship. And to have a heart of worship, you apply your whole life to having reverence to God. You see, and that's important. That's hard for us to understand. That's hard for us to grasp because you're teenagers. You're young. You're trying to find kind of your way in life, right? You're trying to establish your, your place at school amongst your friends. And, and in order to do that, a lot of times you have to do things that aren't um, respectful to God's word, that go against God's word, that go against what God tells you, that goes against the way God t- says to use your language. It goes against the way God says to view your body, Right? You see, but God says, listen, I want you to come to me with a heart of worship. And to do that, you have to honor God in everything that you say and do, every aspect of your life. Right? Like we, like we talk about this. Here, here's the impact of this, and then we're going to move on. I've had this talk with Savannah. I've had this talk with, you know, other people that lead worship. I've had this talk with our youth leaders, Right? This exact same talk about, you know, whether or not you're leading worship up here through song. Several of you girls have done that, right? Whether or not you're one of our, uh, the adults that come to lead small group. Um, if you don't carry out a heart of worship in your everyday life, then that part of worship that you are leading has no power in it. Right? Like, like, we understand that. Do, uh, do I expect Savannah to be perfect? Absolutely not. Right? If Kylie's coming to sing or, um, you know, if Peyton's coming to sing, do I expect them to be perfect that week at school? No. But I, I, I would really like if, if, you know, maybe they were praying some that week. Maybe they were trying to be a godly example in front of you guys that week because that's important. Right? I texted all of the leaders earlier today and, and said, you know, hey, I'm excited about service tonight. I'm praying for you. I hope you're praying with me for these students. The reason being is if they're going to lead that small group discussion, if they're going to be a part of your growth in Christ, there's no power behind that if they don't carry out a heart of worship. If I'm going to get up here and preach to you, but I act like hell at work during the week, there's no power behind what I'm preaching. That My, my, my words, my, my illustrations, they're not sinking into you because God's not in my lifestyle, Right? See, and it goes on for all of us, and it carries on for you whenever you go out to your community and you try to be an example for God. Um, If you're not living with a heart of worship every single day of your life, then there's not going to be any power in your, your illustrations and your ideas to try to reach people for God. Like, you can't go tell people about Jesus if you're living opposite of Jesus. 
So you got to have a heart of worship. That's important. But then secondly, you got to have a heart of discipleship, right? Um, one of the best descriptions found in last, is found in last week's passage. It's Acts 2.42, right? In that passage, the new believer is committed to the apostles' teaching. Remember, we talked about how they were committed to the teaching and committed to prayer with each other. Listen to this, verses 18 through 20. It says this, And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of this age. You see, the biggest problem is we don't understand what a disciple is. Let me read you this. This is what a disciple is. Someone who studies the word of God attempts to live it out as best as possible and does all of this together within the context of a local church community, right? So we know what a disciple is, but our biggest problem is a lot of times we think to ourselves, I'm too young. Or maybe we think, I'm not popular enough. Or maybe we think, I don't know enough about the Bible, I don't have a good enough understanding of Scripture to create other disciples, right? Here, we're going to watch this video real quick, and I thought it, I thought it was pretty good. Um, who knows who David Platt is? Y'all probably don't. I really like David Platt. He's, he's pretty awesome. But watch this video. He explains what, what it means to be a disciple. call to discipleship and the call to disciple making are most definitely not just for mature Christians. You look at the very beginning of the book of Matthew and Jesus approaches four men, first four disciples, and he says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. His call to them was an initial call to discipleship. And that initial call to discipleship was an inevitable call to die, to die to themselves. He would say to them over and over and over again, if you're going to come after me, you must deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. You must renounce everything you have and everything you hold on to, to cling to me. This is what it means. This is the essence of what it means to follow Christ. And so abandonment for the glory of Christ is the essence of what it means to be a Christian, not for those who are ready for that kind of mature teaching. Similarly, though, even when we see, follow me, and I will, we hear Jesus say, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men, what we hear is that fishing for men, making disciples, from the very beginning was tied to being a disciple. And so these four men, from the very beginning of their initial call to follow Christ, were being called to fish for men, were being called to give their lives, leading other men to become followers of Christ. And so disciple making is not an optional command for the mature Christian. The essence of what it means to follow Jesus, to be a disciple of Jesus, is to abandon your life to follow him to his person and his mission, which is to make disciples of all nations. So every disciple is a disciple maker. Every follower of Christ is a fisher of men. This is not just for mature Christians. This is for every follower of Jesus. So in other words, hey, go ahead and... In other words, 
all of you, by accepting Christ and submitting your life to Christ, you are a disciple, but along with that title comes a disciple making a disciple. You are called to fish for men. You are called to go to your school. You are called to go in your neighborhoods and be a godly example. I love what it says. It says, um, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, right? So it's not just book knowledge, man. It's, it's talking about living it out. It's talking about being an example, like, be a godly example to your friends. That way, you are fishing for men. You are, you are being a positive light in a dark, dark world for some people who need Jesus Christ, right? You see, it's, it's a, it calls for a heart of worship. It calls for a heart of discipleship. But then lastly, it calls for a heart of trust. And at the end of that, it's, it, Jesus says, I am with you always, even to the end of this age. Last week, we had Carson's birthday party, and... Um, and I was in the pool, and my, my dad was there, and Emerson w- was playing, and, and what he would do, she liked to jump in the pool, so my dad would pick her up, and I was in the pool, and he would kind of toss her to me, and you could tell she was kind of nervous at first, but every time she did it, she got more comfortable, she got more brave, she wanted to do it again, she wanted to do it again, right? You see, it's the, the same idea, she trusted me, Right? She understood that, hey, daddy's right there, and daddy's going to catch me. So she was, she was having fun. She didn't have to worry about it. So like God promises right here, I am with you always. I will catch you every single time. All, the, all you have to do is jump. All you have to do is leap. Like leap with faith that I'm going to catch you. Right? You see, but we don't do that because we're scared. And then what happens is finally we give in and we kind of step off that cliff and God catches us and God guides us and God directs our lives and something amazing happens. And then we go through life a few more weeks and we forget all about it. And then it's time to jump again. And Jesus is saying, listen, just jump. Trust me. Saying, I'm going to catch you, but we're scared. Right? Sometimes being a Christian, you've got to get uncomfortable. Sometimes being a Christian, you've got to step out of your comfort zone and do something that you may not like doing, even though um, you don't like doing it, God's called you to do it. And God's saying, listen, it's going to be okay, man, because I'm here for you. I got your back. So here's what we're going to do. Um, Ken and Jed are going to pass out these cards Here, give me one card. All right, so what I want y'all to do, um, we're going to take a minute. It's just going to be kind of a, a moment of silence type thing where I want you guys to think. I want you guys to think of maybe some friends, maybe some family members, um, and they're people that don't go to church. They're people that maybe they don't believe in God. They're people that you know that needs, listen to me, it's people that you know need God, right, in their lives. What I want you to do is I want you to think of five people. It doesn't have to be five lost people. It's five people that you know they need Jesus. It could be your parents. It could be a friend at school. It could be a cousin. It could be a teacher, what I want you to do is I want you to write those five names on this um, note card. 
And when you're done, I want you to put your pen down and look at me.